Welcome to this podcast from the Bay Church. We hope you're blessed by the message. To find out more, please visit our website at www.the-bay-church.org.uk They're all a bit hopeless. It's a bit like, a bit grim. Don't want to be in that situation. But it's a situation that you can often find yourself in, which is why this is a lovely practical passage. It's not just, you know, Israel's was a pretty bad situation, let's be fair. A bit worse than most of our day-to-day situations. But it still applies. God's still the same, irrelevant of how big or small the situation appears. Because the principle of it applies to how we live our lives and the situations we face. So... The first verse, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. So the first thing was he leads us to the valley. We don't pick our valley. We don't go, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to pick those bones because those bones look like they're going to make something really cool. It's God's going to take you to your valley to pray over your bones. And it's massively important that you recognize that that you don't chase what everyone else is going after, that you chase your valley and your bones to pray after. Um, And then it says, he led me back and forth. And I felt that was pretty significant, that before he does any praying, prophesying, tells you anything, you just walk up and down and you assess the whole environment it's not rushed into. You see the whole situation before you do anything. Um, I'm not just talking about, you know, the, when he's talking about the bones, it's not just, oh yeah, it's, it's something that's been dead a couple of hours. You know, these are pretty dead bones. <laughs> We're talking about, yeah, pretty dire situations. But that's the point because God's power doesn't depend on whether something's just happened or happened 50 years ago. He has the power to change it irrelevant of time frames because he's been around a bit longer than us. Um, Verse three, son of man, can these bones live? And the response is, I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now, I think that's a pretty good response because mine would have been, oh, what are you on about? Of course they can't. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. But the way that that's answered, it's almost like they're not giving an answer. They're almost putting it back onto him, going, well, I don't really know. And that's significant that sometimes we don't have the answer and we don't need to know the answer. God knows the answer and that's what's important. So we need to listen what to what he is saying to us rather than what we think the answer might be. And then four to seven, is that gonna come up soon? Because I can't be bothered to read that. Yeah, when four to seven comes up, you can read that. Um, But basically, it's all about God describing what's gonna happen and what you should do. about prophesying. And there's a, the first significant bit for me was 
prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. He wants you to prophesy over things, but you've got to declare this is God's word. This is, this is where my authority comes from when I'm talking into this situation. We're not like doing pansy prayers here. We're going for it. Um, and it ends on seven as so I prophesied as I was commanded and it's that whole listening to God thing because you want to prophesy in line with what he's saying and not what you might want to happen or what you think should happen in the next step um, and there was a bit I was watching just a, a Bethel worship set the other day and Brian Johnson came up the end and said the world really needs to hear the word of God straight from God because you can come and get a great word from someone but you need to be hearing straight from God otherwise you're missing out far too much and if we're not hearing we're not going to effectively prophesy into it we don't have the instructions or the framework or the knowledge to know what to do next. And where it says, the Lord says, I will make breath or the spirit, it's the, it's the same meaning, breath and spirit. I'll use them interchangeably probably because I haven't changed them all in me writing because that was too much effort. Uh, It says, I will make breath into you, as in the Lord will. It doesn't say, go ask that really, well, that person that you think is really way more powerful than you or way better or more gifted. It says, go to the Lord and his spirit, because we're not, we can't breathe spirit into things. If we try, it's going to stay dead. The only thing that's going to bring something back to life is him. And they can help you, like... You know, they can come alongside you and, and pray with you about it, but they can't do it for you. They're not, they aren't a substitute for what God carries. Um, the next bit, there was talks about, there was a noise, a rattling sound. It's, a, it's an announcement of what's happening. Yeah. It's an announcement of God's power that's coming Come on. he doesn't do it quietly yeah. he says yeah. look this is what I'm doing get on the page yeah. Yeah. and the way they come together so the bones come together first Your, the things in the situation need to be aligned properly before the tendons and the flesh start appearing otherwise you're not going to have a body yeah. So you need to be aware of what steps are going to happen and not push things forward because if you try and push it, it's just going to look deformed and wrong and not, not going to be effective. It's pretty simple to be fair. He does give you the instructions. I mean, come on now. 
And verse 9, prophesy at the breath, son of man, blah, blah. Come breathe from the four winds. So from the four winds is all about from everywhere. You're not just, don't focus on one, one aspect and say that's going to make the bones come to life. You need to be fully aware of all that God's doing because it's unlikely that one thing's going to make everything just fall into place magically. Well, not magically, that's a poor word, but, you know. God will put multiple things in place to make it happen. And then verse 10, probably the most important one. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So with God's breath, the function changes. When God breathes into you, he changes the function of what's happening, whether that's what your head thinks, what your heart thinks. Your function changes when he pours into you. Because that was just a bunch of look-like people standing there, not doing anything. But when he breathed into them, that's when they became a vast army. So then the challenge is, are we being breathed into? Maybe that's a question for you and God to answer later. Because we can't influence situations if we're not being breathed into. We're not being guided if we're not, if we don't have the power of God put into us, then we're not going to achieve anything. We can pretend we will, but we won't. So this is where we'll go slightly less literal. Um, Because in the context of the verse, they're just, that's it, you know. Praise for the vast army. There's a bit I'll get to at the end, but. In terms of now, you're unlikely to go and see a vast army just rise up out the ground. But, I mean, maybe you will, that'd be pretty cool, but. I think that application of seeing our situations as dry bones is uh, massively important. And I think it changes then because it doesn't just become one mass of bones that makes a vast army, but it becomes multiple different things that we are meant to be breathing into and affecting. And it's not just one thing that we're called to bring to life, but we're looking for multiple things to resurrect back. Because there's multiple promises God's put over your life. He didn't just give you one task and go, there you go. You can have that for 80 years or so and that'll do you. 
We're constantly being challenged to look for our bones and to pray over our new things. And with that, you need your renewing of your breath. Because otherwise, you're going to run out of steam and end up being pretty useless. And there's Psalm 104 in 29. It says, when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. So then it ends on talking about these are the bones of Israel, our bones are dried, we're caught. They're, they're basically just having a bit of a moon. Um, and God's saying, nah, you'll, you'll be all right. I'm going to bring you back out. You'll settle back in your own land. Everything's going to be okay. And they're still a bit like, hmm, because you know. We're not very good at taking hints, really. <laughs> but this whole verse, it's, it's a challenge in a way because it sounds massive, it's like a massive deal, like resurrecting things, valley of dry bones, you know, it's not something very light-hearted topic, but the way he lays it out, he doesn't make it a hard topic. There are instructions there and it's step by step. And he doesn't say, do a backflip in the middle of it. It's, you know, pretty straightforward, prophesy and follow what he's saying all the way throughout. Because it depends on God's power and not our circumstance. Our circumstance doesn't disqualify us from resurrecting bones just because we're going through a bit of path for a while. Yeah, and then that last bit, the restoration comes because of God's covenant. So with our covenant, do you think God's going to let us down and leave us stuck in a valley with a bunch of dead bones? Because I don't think so. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, but we'll go for it again. The whole, are they your bones thing. Because that's massive in a family context, and you know, you want to help others, and you don't want to see people failing. But this is where we need to listen, because we can't help everyone all the time. And we're not meant for certain situations that other people may be even if it is like your best mate. 
you might not be able to help them. They might not be what you're called to do. And you being there might be getting in the way of someone standing next to them that brings a breakthrough for them. So really make sure you're listening to what God's telling you to do. So that last bit where they're, they're looking pretty hopeless. They're all split up. They've made a bit of a mess. That's an understatement. But God reaffirms who they are and what he's going to do with them. And it shows that God's got a plan through all things. Even though it doesn't look like our situation might have anything to recover from. God's always got a plan to go, that's not going to stay like that. We're not going to be stuck there. Because you're raised to life with me. A new life comes from God, not what our circumstance looks like. Isaiah 26 says, We were with child, we writhed in labor, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not come to life. But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. And that really hits on the point of, we can try and breathe life, we can try this, we can try that. We're missing the point then. We didn't bring salvation to the earth. It's not our job. Your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. And Psalm 141, which is about praying to the Lord to watch over you. Um, they will say, as one plows and breaks up the earth, so our bones have been scattered at the mouth of the grave. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord, in you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers, from the snares they have laid for me. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. And those two verses really talk about it's not up to us. It's not up to what we can do, how hard we try. It's about what God does, and God looks after us. God made us and put his power in us to change the world and situations. Not we became powerful because we wanted to change the world and situations. And there's also a challenge in there. Um, 
read that first. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. Because if we see some pretty cool things get resurrected, there's the potential to go, look how cool that was, and then live on that for the next 20 years, going, but look at that cool thing I did ages ago. And that's not the point. Because then you're just giving a lot of talk. And God did do something cool. But I can bet there was something else you should have been doing in the meantime. It's not about boasting about what we've seen rise, but rejoicing in the glory that's given to God. Uh, there was an interview the other day on the radio. That's how you can tell when you're getting old when you listen to the interviews on the radios. <laughs> Sad times. <laughs> um, and it was uh, Billie Jean King, and she was talking about tennis and how it's changed and all that jazz. And there was a bit where she said, young kids just want to win. They should be learning to develop. And I felt that connected with um, maybe we don't see all our bones come to life. Maybe we don't see every situation we want to see. And some of them just fall down. But is there something in there that we've learned? Is there an aspect of God we've now seen that we didn't see before? Or are we just focused on the fact, oh, I failed? Because I'm sure God doesn't see it as a failure. So then the last bit, the last two verses where he goes, you are mint, you'll be all right. It's all, and most of the chapters after that, are about comforting for the people. They were to experience revival, restoration, and a glorious future as the redeemed and perfected kingdom of God. Is that what we're going after? Maybe we need to remind ourselves in the morning when we wake up that's what we're going after. I think that's it.